So we have a harvest that we're looking at today. And we preached on last week that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Lord, we pray that for the harvest that you fill. And again, I'm putting Kent's words in. Father, fill our house with harvest. As I started out praying today and seeking the Lord, the Lord reminded me that, that the farmers are out and they're cutting corn and they're getting, some are cutting beans, they're getting ready to move into beans. We're going out to the harvest. They're going out and getting the seed. They're going out and getting those that, for example, that don't know Christ or, or the unchurched. And you know what they're doing with that? They're taking it back to their grain bin and they're filling their grain bins. And I've talked to most farmers and they say, hey, our grain bins are full. We're having to do something else. And the grain factories, they're talking about putting the corn on the ground and wrapping it again. We need to be that aggressive to fill this house. Isn't that, that, isn't that an awesome testimony that, that we win so many people to Christ that, and, and bring in the unchurched that we fill this house where we got to have more services, where we got to create more space for those God's bringing in. That's the harvest. And that's what we should be excited about, man. As Christians, we should be excited because we got a testimony, a word that somebody wants and needs desperately in this world. Man, people are hurting out there and they need a touch of Jesus in their lives. And, and, and I think that's the unchurched part. The Lord showed me that there's so many unchurched people that have been hurt by the church that they're trying to go it alone and we need each other. We just need to be Christ-like in how we act towards each other. But that's where we're heading today. Uh, the Lord's got me kind of running a different direction. I'm taking a break to see if that's where he wants to continue. But yet it fits into where we're, we're going but he's challenged us to fill the house. You're not going to hear much money or talk about the money and the offering because the Lord showed me that the excitement of filling the house will bring in the finances. We'll be excited to talk about the Lord and give to the Lord even more because we see what he's doing. Our goal is 150K, but I say let's blow that even out of this world. Let's overflow our grain bins in all areas. Let's commit to this. I'm just going to jump into it today. All believers are and were called and are entrusted with God's property, and God expects us to multiply it. And a lot of times people don't want to hear that. But even in the Blessed Assurance song, Joe even made comment at the end of the, the uh, uh, song, so I'll blame Joe if you don't agree with me. But, but no, I'm kidding. I agree with what Joe was saying. But, but when we submit to the Lord and we put ourselves under his covering, that's when we experience the Lord. And, and that's what God expects a relationship with us. And as we talk about in the parable, uh, basically the Lord told me to go through Matthew 25. And I don't know how we're going to do it uh, in the time we have. But we see three sections in here. We see the first part of that section that God expects relationship with his people. 
And we're going to see that in Matthew 25, 1 through 13, that, that God expects us to press into him. God desires us to want to press into him. God is wooing us to press into him. God is chasing after us to press into him. And we just got to say, Jesus, and do that. But we see in this parable, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. So we see that, that, that we hear the message and we know what God expects of us and we know the, the things that we should do. But we see five did and five didn't in this parable. And I'm reading from Matthew 25, 1 through 13. I'm reading out of the ESV today. But, but Matthew 25, 1 through 13. But we see two groups of people here. Verse 3, for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flask of oil. And we're going to talk about oil is the Holy Spirit. And guys, God wants us to take flask of the Holy Spirit with us. That means a lot of bottles. He wants us to be refilled and renewed in the Holy Ghost every day. But as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. In other words, they weren't pressing into the Holy Spirit. They hadn't refilled. They hadn't got the flask, the bottles. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you. Go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day or the hour. And that's what we've been talking about today. The message of Christ has went out. And, and, and ten people's heard it. Hundreds of people have heard it. Millions, millions of people have heard the message. We see in this message here today that, that 50% or five chose to, to press in to the power of God and five chose not to. And we see when the Christ came, it was done. That's what we talked about earlier. We don't wait for our funeral to make a decision because it's done. We don't wait for Jesus to come back and say, Oh, here I am, Jesus. Let me go get my salvation. Just a minute. Let me go get my oil. Just a minute. Poof, he's going to be gone. We're going to be gone. We need to be prepared. We need to be in that relationship with God. We need to, to die, desire that relationship. I didn't want to use the word expects us. God expects us. My wife expects me to love her. I expect her to love me. But she should want to love me and I should want to love her. And it's the same way with Jesus. It's the same way in that relationship. Yeah, Jesus loves us and he expects us to love him back. All Jesus requires of the believer is to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind and love our neighbors as ourselves. And when we do this, everything else comes into play. That's all. That's it. 
But we need to press into that relationships because we don't know the day or the hour that he's coming. Maintenance is required is another thought the Lord gave me. And, and I don't remember what slide number that was, but the Lord really burnt this on me. And it may not be from, uh, it's, it'll be for somebody or the Lord wouldn't have burned it on me. So we'll just say that. But uh, back in the day, they were using a lamp, if you will. And that's what the, the illustration is about. I got to studying on it. It also could mean torch. And a lot of scholars believe it was torches. And their responsibility was to keep the torch, torch, and I get fired up, I get the, but the torch burning brightly. Now I'm getting the back feed now. But but anyhow, I went online and, and thought, how can we make a torch? And man, this basic illustration's up there. If you're coming home from a Kansas City Chief game and you run out of gas, and you have nobody around you and you need to, to fill your car up or you need to work on your car, whatever, and you need some light. You don't have a battery. You don't have anything for your light bulbs, whatever. You can go and cut down a tree branch, okay? And so you can go out into the wild and you can cut down a tree branch. And you want to make sure this tree branch is green because if you don't, it'll just burn up. And so that's another sermon there today that, that if we are dry wood, we will burn up. And we need to stay in the Lord and stay fresh. But, but I went out and cut a green piece of hedge this morning. And, and anyway, this is green hedge. And anyway, everybody wears socks. I'm looking around here today. Most everybody wears socks. So you can peel off a sock. And I've already put one sock on here. I didn't use mine, I used my wife's, you know, that's how it goes. And, and anyway, you got your sock and you can put it on there. Well, then you get your other sock and you can pull it down over also. And you just keep wrapping it and building it as much as you want. And, and you just keep doing this and pulling this together. And then you got your, there you go, you got something to burn there. Some call that fuel. But, but some of us may have lighter fuel. And if you don't, you got some lighter fuel here, fuel here and we can pour it all over the sock. I got to thinking, you know, the, the steel here says the more of the cloth you use, the brighter it will burn. So I thought, you know, nothing would burn better than a Kansas City Chief jersey. If you're coming back from game, you got one on. So you could take that Kansas City Chief jersey and you could wrap it around here, you know, Somebody kept telling me they're going to be 20 and 0, and I think they meant 0 and 2 but in their conference, but I don't know. But, but anyhow, I don't want to lose you. I love you guys, and I love the cheese. But, but you can wrap this up here. My wife's going to kill me because she's a diehard chief fan. But, but anyhow, then you can light it, and then you can see, and you can burn bright. Well, that's what Jesus was asking these gals to do is to keep their torch burning bright. That's what he's asking us to do is to keep our torches burning bright. And so as I thought about that today, and you can leave that same slide up there, but faith, if you click, is the base for our relationship with Jesus Christ. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how the faith, our faith is the most important thing to us, and we need to guard it with all that we have. And the next thing that we have that represents the cloth, you know, the Lord really hit me with this. This part 
that we need to add to our faith so that we can burn bright is what keeps you fresh in God? What really excites you in God? And, and man, I love to, to get up and study and hear a word and, and all that stuff. Man, that keeps me fresh, but nothing blesses me more that, that when I'm out getting ready to do something I want to do or, or, or be honest with you, he's done it several times when I've watched the Vikings and I'll be all prepared to watch the Vikings play and, and the Lord will say, hey, you come back in the other room. I want to talk to you. Man, I long for those times and I hear the Lord say, hey, come talk to me. I've got something for you. And it just, he speaks to me and he becomes fresh. And again, like this morning up here, and I was hearing from the Lord that somebody feels like they're all alone and forsaken, and, and, and you need to tell them, man, that's what keeps me fresh. But the Word keeps me fresh. Prayer keeps me fresh. These are principles of God, prayer and the Word. But guys, also, telling somebody about Jesus keeps us fresh also. Man, I never, when I let somebody, the Lord didn't go, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Man, I was talking about it. This is the first thing I do. I'm going to tell everybody, is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. We get excited about things. What keeps us fresh? And that's what we need to wrap around our faith. And we need to just make it thicker and thicker. Because the heavier this is, the brighter we'll burn. So prayer. I mean, I don't want to put it. Actually, I want you to write down the things that keep you fresh. And you press into them. I bought a book the other day. Well, I'm not going to get into that. I'll chase the rabbit there. But, but it's, it's prayers. And I've been praying them prayers. And it, man, it keeps you fresh. Because it's prayers based on the scripture. But you wrap yourself in these things. And then you douse it in the oil. <laughs> you douse it in the Holy Spirit. And it'll burn and burn and burn. And you just repeat the process. You just repeat the process. And, and that's what God is saying when he expects a relationship with you. is to work on your faith. Wrap yourself with those things that, that keep your faith burning. And be doused in the Holy Ghost. I wanted to put a bucket up here, but there's a trash can. But, but I tell you, you ought to just take it every morning and fill a can full. Spiritual, this is spiritually don't do this physically and don't do it in church. And just stick it in there and let it soak in the Holy Ghost and then light it. It'll burn. Oh, it'll burn. Sorry, camera people. I'm keeping you guys on the move today. But we'd burn bright for Jesus. But that's what the Lord spoke to me for this part. The ten virgins. That we need to be fresh in him and, and just renew this process that we just talked about. The other thing that the word that really hit me on there, I was going to light a fire, but my daughter said, don't do it. And, and anyway, she said that a guy come into her Bible college and, and he burnt, so, oh, he was like, he put something in there, then he burn it. Well, it smoked, set the smoke detectors off and she goes, dad, it rained. <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, aim. but it was a big deal. So uh, we don't want to, I guess we want the Holy, I guess that'd be a good example today. We want the Holy Spirit's reign. We could set off the fire alarms and all that good stuff. But, but I, I'm not going to like that today. I want you to do it spiritually. But the delay here, uh, I think delay causes unfaithfulness. And, and, and the reason is, I think that, that 
the longer Christ delays in coming back, if we don't stay fresh, it can cause unfaithfulness and even possible death for other people. And, and, and I believe the Lord wanted me to share this today because we see that the Christians, early church, struggled with this. Even in this parable today, Jesus said in Matthew 25, 5, as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. They said all of them did. And, and, and guys, this here was when Christ was with them. We see several years later, and maybe, I don't know, 25 to 30, some scholars think 80 years, but several years later, we see an unfaithfulness in the church crop up because of Christ's delay. And you can read about that in 2 Peter 3, 2, 4. But they will, uh, 2 through 4, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? The delay. For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. We see several years later that, that, that are not much years later, but we see John in Revelation talking to the churches and warning to the churches because they began to, what, sleep, forget their first love. And we, can, we could talk about that all day. But again, because Christ said he was coming back and it's been 20, 30 years, where's he at? Where's he at? And then maybe us today, it's been 2,000 years later and maybe some of you are like, man, you know, Christ is not back yet. He's not even real. And, and we began to doubt. How many of us have had thoughts that way? But I tell you, if you keep your faith fresh, fresh, wrapped in the things that keep you fresh and doused in the Holy Ghost, that's what gets you through those times. And then you need to realize why. And Peter goes on to explain why in 2 Peter 3, 8, he explains the delay. Fact one, Peter says, but, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is his one. So Peter's saying that delay could be just God's time's not your time. We just trust him. We hold on to the stick of faith and we wrap ourselves fresh with the things of God and we burn bright by the Holy Spirit till he comes. We keep the torch going. But then Peter goes on to fact two, verse nine. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness. In other words, he's not delayed. He's not slow. God's not messed up. God hasn't made mistakes. We haven't caused God all these problems where he can't come back. God is in control. He goes on to say, God is patient towards you. Why? Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should, be, should reach repentance. That's God's desire. God's desire is that all people be saved and come into a knowledge and understanding of Jesus. God may be delaying because our time's not his time, but, but simply because he wants people to come to repentance. He wants to fill the house. He wants the harvest. He wants you all to be saved. Did you ever think if you want Christ to come back and you just can't take it no more, that maybe if we want everybody to Christ in the world, he'd come back? Do you ever think about it that way? If everybody's a Christian, he doesn't need to delay. 
So why are we delaying in telling people about Christ? I say that to you today. Is I don't want to show hands, but how many led somebody to Christ last week? How many even just talked about their faith last week? How many just, just, just boils with the love of God in everything they do? We need to keep our faith the stick in our hand at all time, wrapped freshly in the things of God and burning by the Holy Spirit and just review and renew that process every day. That's what he was asking the ten virgins to do. And he's asking us to do the same thing today. But have you chose him today? Have you chose Jesus as your Lord and Savior today? Is, is he God of your life? If you have, I ask you again, is Jesus number one in your life? If you had to give up everything in this world, the last thing you'd give up would be Jesus. Amen. You mean pick Jesus over my children? Pick Jesus over my wife. Pick Jesus over my job. Hmm. That's the best answer is to pick Jesus. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else is going to take place. Everything's going to be fine. You want that perfect relationship with your wife? Choose Jesus or your spouse. If you want that perfect relationship with your children? Choose Jesus. Hold that faith sick. Wrap it with the things of God and, burn, and boil it in the Holy Spirit and burn bright for Jesus. Repeat the process every day. So I say to you, could we be partially responsible for Christ's delay? I just say, be thinking about witnessing to Christ, for Christ, for the people. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers and laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into the harvest field. And it goes into the second part, second part of this parable. God expects us to multiply. Jesus expects us to multiply. The salvations, the giftings we have, the things he's given us. In the parable of the talents, we see again that three people have been given talents. And I believe he's talking to the believer here. I believe the unbeliever has talents, but they got initiated through salvation and they begin to walk in it by the Holy Spirit and leading the Holy Spirit. They need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I believe it comes to salvation, but I believe there's an infilling of the Holy Spirit, just like the disciples. It was 50 days later. Anywhere you read in Acts, they ask him, are you filled with the Spirit? Yeah, I was saved, but no, were you filled with the Spirit? And, and he went, goes for that. Go to Acts 10, Acts 10, 19. But I'm chasing rabbits now. I don't have that here. But, but servants were called and entrusted with the master's property. And we're that servant. And God has entrusted us. Jesus has entrusted us with his property. And the property is the kingdom of God. We've all been given talents. We see that in the scripture today. And I'm just going to let you guys read this. Uh, but... But guys, when you look up the Greek word for talents in Matthew 25, 15, and you, and you see what that Greek word means, if you look at the scriptures associated with talents in Matthew 25, 15, it's going to give you the other parable of the talents in the 18, 24 of Matthew. But the thing that caught my eye, it gives you Romans 12, 6, 
1 Corinthians 12, 11, Ephesians 4, 7, 1 Peter 4, 10. Every one of them refer to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If I was going to tell you, if you asked me what the gifts of the Holy Spirit were, that's the scriptures I'd give you. And that's a Greek word for talents. And so he passed out talents, gifts of the Holy Spirit to all of us to operate in. We see that one servant, he received five talents. And they use the word in verse 16 in Matthew 25, 16, they use the word he traded that with those talents. In other words, he used those talents, he traded, and he gained five more. So he used his giftings and his talents, and he traded, and he gained five more people or five more things into his master's kingdom. And we see the master's response in Matthew 25, 21. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And so we see the Lord wants us to multiply. He's given us this parable of the talents that I've gifted you, Joe. I've gifted you, Paula. I gifted you that are saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've gifted you with talents. And I want you to multiply those talents by building the kingdom of God. And we're going to read at the end that we're going to be judged by how we use these talents. And again, how we use these talents to love God and to love people. The second servant, he received two talents. And he made the word, they used the word made, two more talents. So he worked at a little different angle. And that tells me that, that the first person did a little different from the second person, but they all used their talents to build the kingdom of their master. And we see the same thing here in, verse, in Matthew 25, 23. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. Do you guys hear that joy? If you're not happy today and you're Working for the Lord, you will be happy. When you're in using your gifts and talents the way God's called you to do, you will be experiencing great joy. But then we get the third one. This servant had one talent, and he went and hid his talent. And that may be, you know, what we were talking about. Oh, it's time's delayed. Where's Christ at? You know, I haven't seen my master I haven't seen him around. He's not around. I'll just go bury the talent and, and hide it. Well, hide here means keep out of sight, conceal from the view or notice of others. That really struck with me because I think we worry too much about what others think about us. So we hide our view of Jesus. We conceal our view of Jesus because we don't want to offend or hurt people. So we bury it. It's not a wise thing to do. Not a wise thing to do. The scripture says, you deny me before God, I'll deny you before man. I wasn't even thinking about saying that, but the scriptures are just rolling through my mind. But that's what this guy did. He hid. He hid his talents. And it goes on that his reward, and it says in verse 25, Matthew 25, 25, what was his reward? And you read through the 26 through 30, he received wickedness, slothfulness, worthless, uh, darkness, weeping, and gnashing of teeth. That was the fruit of hiding the talent. 
That was the fruit of hiding what God had given him or this master had given him. Now I'm on. I'm going to get a drink. That'll just settle it. (laughs) You guys are good. You got three more hours, correct? I'm only through the first point, so. No, I'm kidding. Or am I? But we see what each one of these received. The other thing I thought that was interesting, that when you look up the, the word bank that it used in this scripture... And I didn't write down the verse that it was in, but yeah, verse 27, bank, he called it bankers. I didn't even realize it, but, but if you go look at the, in the Greek, it has a word I can't pronounce, but if you put up slide 18, the Greek banks over there still use the Greek word. And so whenever I say the Greek, the, the New Testament was wrote in Greek and we interpreted it into English. So we're trying to get that true meaning of things. But if you see the, the Greek word is the T-P-A-Z word about bank. And so they're using both now, but that's Greek for bank. Oh, that was kind of neat. But I'm setting up for the next point is that the interest. In other words, the Lord said you just should have put down some in the bank so it could draw interest. And I looked up the Greek word for interest in verse 27. And it implies an offspring. Woo-hoo, that will preach on it. He said you could at least produce an offspring that would build the kingdom. In other words, an offspring, the product of reproductive process of something. In this case, we're talking about the interest. Man, if you got that one talent, at least put interest on it. Offspring meaning the product of the reproducing process of Christians. Use your talent to make Christians. Man, that's the very least he wanted them to do. And I don't know, that may have went all you guys over your heads, but, but Genesis 1-8 said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds and the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Genesis 9-7, you'll be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. God has entrusted us to multiply, to, to raise up offsprings. But a lot of times we use that in weddings and everything where it's talking about little babies, which that's the physical part. But there's a spiritual part that, that God wants us to reproduce him spiritually. We're responsible to build his kingdom spiritually and physically. We're responsible to take the kingdom of God and use our talents and giftings and at the very least, the offspring of salvations here and there to build his kingdom. You guys ought to be shouting right now. Do we understand what God has called us to do, what he's entrusted us to do? All believers were called and entrusted with God's property, and God expects us to multiply it. And I could spend an hour on the physical things. Yes, we need to take care of this earth. Yes, we need to treat this earth and this everything around us as if it was God's. Because it is God's. But we do the same thing with the spiritual side of things. 
We go around and we treat things the way Jesus, we treat people the way Jesus would. We're little shepherds. Remember last week? And then the last thing here, and I'll close with this if the praise team wants to come up. Is there will be a judgment day. And I don't say, man, you ought to rejoice if you're living right with God when I say there will be a judgment day. But if you're not rejoicing right now, maybe you're not sure about things. And we'll be judged on how we multiply our faith. We'll be judged on how we build our relationship with Jesus. We'll be judged on our, our, our stick of faith. We'll be judged on how we wrap and refresh ourselves in the things of God and how we burn for him by multiplying in our giftings and our talents. And we hear about the sheep and the goats here. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him he will be gathered all nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And did you notice that he said all people? And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you are, who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food and I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, well, Lord, well, when did we see you hungry and, and feed you or, or Lord thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you in? Or, or Lord, when were you naked and we clothed you? And when he did, and when he did, and and when did we see you a stranger and welcome you and naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison to visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. And I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or, or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in, in, or in prison? And we didn't minister to you. Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. God has called us for the harvest. God has called us into a relationship with him. We talked about in the beginning and to take that relationship with him and let it bud out into relationship with other people. To love on them, to minister to them in every aspect of their life. That's what God has called us to do.
If you'd stand to your feet today.